0: Dave, don't worry. Uh, Dave, we're going over the book of Song of Solomon today, so uh, you know, be ready for it. No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Um, but I'm really excited to be here. I hope you all recognize that nice uh, song there by my, my good friend King Julian there. We're going to talk about what moves us today. We're going to talk about emotion. We're going to talk about maybe some things that drive you in your own life. And so as we get into it, we're going to get right in. We're going to be talking, um, if you're looking for the reference, we're going to be right in John 11. And I talked about this last time, um, but Dave is a little more of a you know, topical preacher and moves around. I'm going to kind of sit right there. You know, I said it before. I grew up in a Baptist church. You know, you can take the kid out of the Baptist, but you can't take the Baptist out of the kid, right? So um, we're going to get right into a passage, and we're just going to work through it. And I promise, for those of you that were here like last Christmas, I will not go as long as I did last time. I am so sorry about that. I watched the tape afterwards, and it was like 50 minutes, and I was like, good Lord. I was like, I apologize. So I value your time. But I'm in the middle of finals week right now. I take two finals tomorrow. And then I start a new semester on Tuesday with part one licensing board I have next Monday. $700 test, 300 questions. All right, we're done with self-pity, but I had to get that out. But with that in mind, we got a little bit of quiz time going on today, okay? So there's a picture of me. Um, That's a baby picture of me after every test I've ever taken at NYCC. Um, But quiz time today, it's going to be a little easier than you might think. Because I'm not going to give you four choices. I'm going to just give you two. Two choices. That's all we're going to go through. The two choices are going to be despair and devotion. Because we're going to work with those two emotions. We're going to work with those two feelings that happen in our lives. Because I've never felt such stronger things. We know all about how different things happen in our life. And it causes us to break down. We get to the bottom of the road. We get to the bottom of the pit. There is nowhere else to go, which some of us might call despair. And then there are also things like devotion. Some of us have devotion to a number of things, right? And it can be kind of like a funny devotion or it can be kind of something. I hope most of you have a devotion to Jesus Christ. And if you don't, please come talk to me or somebody else that does, and we'd love to tell you all about it. But as we talk about these things, there's such a strong, strong correlation between the two. I joke around with um, my wife sometimes because I'm not really like a name brand brat when it comes to clothes. Like, I'm not really that kind of thing. Like, I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, you went out, you shot for me. All right, I'll wear those clothes. Sounds good. Like, she dressed me this morning. It all looks good, right? So I don't really mind. But at the same time, there's one brand I'm a little devoted to, and I have to admit, and it's Under Armour. Under Armour, anything I've ever gotten from them has just been, like, clean. It's, like, well, clean for a little while until like, I grease it all up with my body. But anyways, it's, like, it works well. It keeps, like, well. You can wash it. Like, it always feels good, always feels soft. And so that's kind of, like, a weird devotion, right? I kind of, like, just suck it up, right? And the other thing I have devotion to is really dumb infomercials, right? Like, those things where, like, the, like you know, usually it's a white guy, and he comes in there, and he's all, like, Oh, has this ever happened to you? And he, like, fumbles a bunch of cups. I'm like, yes, it has. Oh, my gosh, I need that, right? But there's that weird devotion that we all kind of have. And so we're going to jump right in, John 11. And what I've done here, this starts in verse 3. And I know there's a lot of words, so I kind of wanted to split it up a little bit in the sense that anything Jesus says, we kind of kept in red text, right? Because that's what we're used to, right? In the Bible, that's what he says. And then I also kind of, any other player in the story, we have in white, all right? So the first one we have, verse 3, we have the sisters coming to him. If you don't know this story, John 11 is all about Jesus raising his buddy Lazarus from the dead, all right? I'm going to give you, you know, you know, oh, spoiler alert. That's what happens, right? But it's all this setup that happens. And most of the time we go through this story, and I think, at least in the Christian world, we heard it a lot, and we miss the emotion that happens throughout this story, and so we look here and we say, so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And it's kind of this idea that the sisters, or Mary and Martha, they're coming to him, and Jesus is saying back, he says, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. And you can find in your uh, bulletin there, or Dave always wants me to call it a program. Again, you can't take the Baptist out of the kid, right? All right, so the program you have... So in the program, you have uh, the sisters there and what they were moved by, right? And so we look at those, and we start to think, well, if you had to pick two of those things, which one would it be? Me, you got them, are, they're coming for an illness. The chapter before, to give a little context, the ca- chapter before this, Jesus, there's two things Jesus does that kind of just throws everything for a loop. In chapter 10, you have, um, or it might be chapter 9, but it's towards the end, he, has, he heals a blind man, all right, a man that was born blind, he heals him. And then also later on, you get that whole story where he says, you know, the people are his sheep. I am their shepherd. They hear me because, I, you know, I call their voice. And then he says this statement. He says, I am the father and one. And that throws all the Jewish Pharisees for a loop, all of them. That's like me standing right before you and be like, hey, I'm, um, I'm the prophet, right? You guys would all think you're crazy. And they'd be like, oh, we are definitely headed to apocalypse now, all right? But that's what Jesus says, and that changes everything. And they go to stone him. And so he leaves. And then this is the following chapter. And so the sisters are saying to themselves, you know what? We have seen Jesus heal a blind man. We have seen him heal sick people out of, in my opinion, out of despair. Why don't we go and see if Jesus will respond? Because he loves Lazarus. Why would he, why would he not heal him, right? And so he goes. And in my opinion, the sisters are moved by despair. They have nowhere else to turn. They know that if Lazarus dies, it's all over. They know that. And so they're like, we have nowhere else to turn. Let's go to Jesus. Not necessarily a bad idea, right? There's probably a sermon right there in that. Jesus, I mean, let's be honest. He's moved by devotion, right? He's like the good kid on the block. Is he ever going to be moved by despair? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Stay tuned. But Jesus is moved by devotion because he's saying to him right in that verse before, I have to skip back because I don't have my Bible. But it says, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He's saying, he's like, don't worry about the illness. It does not lead to death, right? Which is kind of funny because it does. But it is for the glory of God. He's saying, don't be freaked out by this sickness because God is going to be glorified through it. And that's basically what happens, right? And so we kind of move on to the next section. And we now have the disciples, Because he's saying, we're going to have to go back. And the disciples say to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you were going there again? Again, they're questioning. They're like, what are you doing? Again, if you you want that context, read that chapter 4, and the Jews are freaking out because he just called himself God, and that is a no-no, right? And so he's going there again, and Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, He stumbles because the light is not in him. Jesus is basically saying, like he often does throughout the Bible, he says, it doesn't matter the world around me. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what glorifies God. Again, a huge sermon right there. It's this idea, it doesn't matter. I love, uh, you know, another story you might know about Jesus is when um, the Pharisees accused him of healing a sick person on the Sabbath. And he said, you know, if you ever have a, an animal that fell into your well, would you not take care of it, right? Would you, not, would you not break rules when it was the good for people? Or would you not break the rule to show love to other people? Not break rules so it's conveniencing me, right? But break rules in order to lo- show your love for other people. And I love what Thomas says. Thomas, good old doubting Thomas, who I connect with so well because I'm exactly the type of person that's like, listen, I got to see it, see it to believe it, right? And he says to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Right? So you have the disciples and Thomas just saying to themselves, he's going back. We literally just got out of there. With like by the skin of our teeth, I mean, I guess we'll go and die with him. I mean, the answer to whether Thomas and the disciple moved in despair or devotion, I think, is, I think you guys can figure that one out. I think that makes a lot of sense. But Jesus, again, is saying, I don't care what happens. I'm going to do the right thing. And so, of course, we have the answer to our next quiz question. Disciples are moved by. Thomas is moved by. Despair. You can see it. They think, you know, I mean, I guess could you argue that maybe there's a little bit of devotion in the fact that they went with him? Maybe. But I think the major player, he's just, Thomas is done. He's like, if that's what you want to do, I guess we got no other choice, right? And then, of course, Jesus, good guy on the block, moved by devotion. He doesn't give crap. He's like, I'm going back. I'm doing the right thing. This is what the Father wants me to do. Because despair and devotion, I hope you're getting this idea now that both are very powerful players. Because Jesus, couldn't you maybe argue that Jesus is putting his other disciples in danger? Right? Couldn't you argue that, you know, oftentimes, I mean, think about, I don't know, like watch a crime show or something, right? If you can't get the big boss, you're going to get his fellow leaders, right? Or you're going to get his fellow people. And so isn't he kind of putting their life in danger? And Jesus is like, eh, I got I to gotta do the right thing. I got to glorify God. And so he goes. He's got that blind devotion to his heavenly father. And the disciples, you know, they're, they know, they don't know what else to do. So they might as well go with them anyways, right? And so I want to play this clip. Um, when I think about what moves me, you know, I was actually going to play a whole bunch of Star Wars clips. But I was like, then they'll know I'm a complete nerd, all right? So I didn't want to do that. And I was like, what's something maybe most of us can connect on? I was like, let's connect on sports. I love sports. I love sports history. And I'm having a little bit of a famine moment because we got all this, you know, COVID thing going on. And so if you guys remember this scene from Remember the Titans, I wanted to play it. Hopefully it plays. But I wanted to show this to you and give you an idea of this despair devotion kind of uh, scenario. Should be loud enough. Defense on me! Okay, Petey, don't you drift to the strong side. course, they're calling a holding penalty on but, me every time. Did I ask for your excuses? You want to act like a star? You better give me a star effort, do you hear me? Forget about him! Alan, you're in! Come on! All right. Now, I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! And if they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. What? Leave no doubt. That right there, man, I, can, mm, I tell you, like right when he's like that, and he's like, make them remember the night they played the Titans. Honestly, my high school mascot, I went to two different schools. We were the Lumberjacks, and then we were the Cougars, okay? Not very intimidating, but I can, I can count, like, numerous times where I would, like, gather people up, and I'd be like, make them remember the night they played the Lumberjacks. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't have the same ring to it. That doesn't really work. So, and then Cougars, yeah, Cougars, I'm not even going to get into that. That didn't work at all. So, but, you know, I love that movie, and I hope you do too, and you just see that moment. You just see that moment where Coach Yost right there, he doesn't give a crap about anything else. He's talking about the game, and he's talking about the win, right? And he is devoted to that idea. And Petey comes in because obviously there's like, you know, the racial kind of thing going on. They're calling a holding penalty on the um, Petey there before he gets thrown out. But it's like this idea that Petey didn't know where to, what else to do. He was despair. Everything he did, he got a holding penalty, and he was like, what's the point? He kind of had a little bit of a Thomas moment, if you will, because what's the point through all that? He's going to get up there, and then he, through his despair, doesn't know what else to do, and when the coach tells him to shape up, he's like, whatever, I'm out. He takes off his helmet, goes, and, you know, you saw the coach, the coach, which many coaches do. If anybody's played any type of sport, you know the coach just goes, all right, next man up. He says, next man up, let's go. And that was because Coach, he's devoted to that idea. He's devoted to them remembering the night they played the Titans. He's got one idea. And so we move into the different, the sisters are kind of split here. And so we have Martha comes in. Now remember, Mary and Martha, not only, you can read, like it's like the very first birth, or verse, not birth. The um, very first verse, I believe that um, it's Mary or Martha. One of them is the same girl that wipes uh, or cleans Jesus' feet. And then also, this is the same Mary and Martha, where you get that classic story where one was sitting you know, with Jesus and the other wasn't. So that kind of adds a little bit to this, right? So Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, because now they've come, right? We've skipped a couple of verses. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And look at her response. She says, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus responds, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though yet he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And so maybe this quiz question might be a little hard. I encourage you, again, if you have your Bibles, please look it up. I'm always, I'm always a fan. I mean, I got the verses up here, but I'm always a fan of, you know, reading your own Bible. If you need a Bible, please talk. to. We don't, I don't think we have pew Bibles anymore because uh, they're all COVID thing. But if you need a Bible, please, this church would love to help you out that way. But so we have Martha and then we have Jesus. And what is Martha motivated by? Because I think in a way, she is despaired. She has no other, like she doesn't know what to do because Jesus even himself heard that Lazarus was sick and he just stayed where he was for like another day or two, I think. I've heard exactly what the scripture says, but it's like another couple days. And it's like, what, why would you not sprint right over? Why would you not go right away? And so we kind of think, what is Martha moved by here? And honestly, I put down despair. I say she's still moved by despair because she doesn't know what else to do. Now, I think we do have kind of a scenario here where Martha is kind of doesn't know where else to turn, and so she kind of is like, yes, I believe what you're saying. Even if she doesn't necessarily get what's going on because many people didn't at that time, she just says, you know what? I'm devoted to you, Jesus. I'm devoted to you. And then, of course, Jesus moved by devotion. Glorifying God like he does. Great role model. Martha's moved by despair, kind of. And now we come to Mary. So Mary comes to Jesus, again, fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then this is just where, like, I wish we slow down and we see this. Because Jesus has a change of pace here. Everything he's been doing so far has been devotion, devotion, devotion. And then Jesus saw her weeping. And the Jews weeping, because, again, a couple of verses back, when Mary sprints out of the house, they assume that she, she's going to meet Jesus. Because, again, she is just totally despaired at this point, doesn't know what to do. And the Jews assume that she's running back to the tomb where Lazarus is dead just to cry there. And so they come with her. But he, she obviously falls at Jesus' feet. And the Jews who had come there also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And the number one Bible memory verse that I loved when I was a kid, verse 35, Jesus wept. Best Bible verse, if you ever want to memorize one, that's it, because that's what it is. Jesus wept. 11.35. But I think we pause here. And obviously, the verses, you know, you have to understand that verses were made up by a church council. You know, they're not in the original. It's not like when Paul or John was writing this letter, he was like, all right, Verse 35, Jesus wept. All right, verse 36. Like, no, those were added in later, but still, you get this idea, look at Jesus' response. You know, this whole time, he's just been moving on in devotion. He's just been doing what he can to help people, and he, like, God is his only focus, but the people around him, the emotion is so strong. I can only imagine. I mean, we've all, we've all kind of been, you you know, I never wish any bad luck on anybody, but we've been to funerals, right? and we just feel the emotion that everyone has, especially if you lose someone close to you, right? And you feel the emotion. You can't help, like, even if you didn't know the person and you're going there to respect a friend or something and you barely knew him, you just feel that emotion that is going everywhere. That emotion is just filling the room. And Jesus felt this. And so I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't stay and pause. You have to look at the humanity of Jesus. Yes, he is God, but remember, he's 100% human and 100% God. And you see the 100% human side of him, where he just couldn't, I don't know, maybe he just couldn't take it anymore. There was just, everyone was crying. And of course, it said whom Jesus loved, right? So he loved this Lazarus. He loved him so much. And he just weeps right there. He weeps with everybody. He joins in in our sufferings, right? And he simply asks, Where have you laid them? And so now when we come to this next question, we look at what Mary is moved by and what Jesus is moved by. Mary, I'm still gonna kind of go despair here because she has the same response. She doesn't know what else to do because again, I guarantee you, I guess I can't guarantee because I wasn't there, but I'm pretty confident that once again, nobody knew what Jesus could do at this point. They've seen him heal the blind. They've seen him heal the sick, but there was no power over death. And I think they were convinced of that. They said, Jesus, instead of coming to save Lazarus when he was sick, he waited and now he was dead. And that was it. We should have tried to get him here sooner. And honestly, I think when you look at Jesus, I think Jesus might have moved by despair. You know, not to say that he wasn't devoted to God, you know, none of that. Don't read into it that much. But I definitely think that Jesus is broken at this point. I mean, again, I have no idea what it feels like to be 100% God and 100% human, but that human side must have been kicking his butt right now. And it must have been churning, no matter what, I mean, you guys, I'm sure something has happened in your life where you feel like your gut is just churning. Something's happening. You're just, you, you, you don't know what else to do. And you have this moment of despair. And then actually, I love it because when we continue on in the story, we see how despair can get turned and used for good. It can get turned into devotion. I have another clip here I want to play. Um, I might have actually played this last Christmas. I don't remember. But again, sports movie, hits me every time. If you guys know anything about Miracle, awesome movie, awesome moment in history. And i love to just play this. This clip's a little longer, but again, we see the difference in despair and devotion. They just had finished playing, I honestly don't even know who it was now, but they were in like the semifinals and they almost lost or something like that. And so Herb Brooks, uh, the coach, keeps them after the game. Instead of going back to the locker room, he's like, no, 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 I'm keeping you here. You don't want to work in a game, we'll work now. And so after the game, he's keeping them there, and he just has them skate sprints. And I went to school up at Word of Life, and I went to the arena where this like went down. And luckily, it was like off season, so nobody was there. And I totally like went out on the ice and got yelled at by security, but it was a good time. All right, but just watch this clip go down as he takes uh, talks to these guys. Get a whistle. Should get the the You do the Hold up, hold up, hold up. Gotta get back on the ice. let go. We're four. We'll find out soon enough. Let's go back on the ice. Come on, boys. What We'll find out in a minute, won't we? Let's go. Come on. Let's go see what he wants. You guys don't want to work during the game? No problem. We'll work now. Go line. That one. E41. consistent work now. you can win on talent alone, gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Again. think about something else each and every one of you when you pull on that jersey you represent yourself and your teammates and a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back get that through your head again everybody get on that line hey Again. Again. Perfect. Come on, Craig. What was Again. Michael Ruscioni. Through Massachusetts. Who do you play for? Play for the United States of America. That's all, gentlemen. A great scene that just kind of shows the despair and devotion you know idea it's that idea that you know before when they were practicing there's a great scene where they're all saying where they're from and who they played for and they all picked their like individual teams right and so you saw here and that's 100 percent a true story there's documented of where the guy um the maintenance guy comes in and he turns off the lights after the game they, he turns off the lights, and, like, the maintenance people are like, we got to treat the ice, we got to take care of it. And the coach says, no, 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 like, I'll run. He, he actually, there's a line, I, I forget exactly how it goes, but he says, don't worry about, you know, that. I'll take the Zamboni. Like, he says, go home. Like, I'll take care of it. I'm going to keep these guys here. And he just, they do that. And then finally, this guy, in his despair, you know, Mike Rizzoni or whatever his name was, in his despair is like, I play for Team USA. And, of course, I love the line where he says the name on the front is more important than the name on the back. Um, That, again, sermon in itself right there. But it's that idea that his despair, he was in such despair. I mean, I can only imagine. I've never had to do that. After a game, just skating sprints like that. And I can only imagine in his despair, he was like, you know what, what's coach looking for? You know, coach is looking for that devotion, that idea, right? And he says that we play for Team USA. And the coach is like, that's all, gentlemen. You got the idea. And so as we move on here, Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone laying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Once again, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, would you would see the glory of God? So he took away the stone. Jesus looked over his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And of course he does. And so we look at that kind of idea, you know, again, the title of this whole thing, What Moves You? Because right there you can kind of see that, is that Mary or Martha? Martha. You know, she's saying, oh, it's going to smell real bad. You know, is that that really what you want to do? And so you see a little bit of the devotion out of her. Because she knows what's going to happen if I open this tomb door, but You know, yeah, despair too, but devotion to like, I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord that he's got an idea of what's going on. He even says that. He's like, did I not tell you that God will be glorified in this moment? And these two emotions affect us every day. These two emotions are all around us. If I can make it real for you guys, real quick. If you look on any website, CDC, you know, like government website, second leading cause to death among teenagers suicide I mean that hits home with me I've been in youth ministry a long time I got more kids that coming from broken homes things like that depressed I mean I remember I took a I took a kid to Wendy's one time and he thought it was the best thing that's ever happened to him you know because whether they put a smile on when they come to youth group or whatever, a lot of them, they're just they're in despair. And we've seen throughout this story that despair isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because we all have moments in our life where despair affects us. But the flip side of that is it's who do you turn to? What do you go to? When you are in your despair and nothing else matters, what are you devoted to? If you lost your house, if you, God forbid, lost your kids. I was listening to Family Life. Uh, I was going to a baseball game. I don't buy a baseball. I was going to a baseball game. I'm playing Family Life, whatever, and they come up with a news hour, and they told some story about, I think it was Interlaken or something nearby. A mom's driving with her first grader in the back of the car. Gets rear-ended by a drunk driver. The car spins, so now that the back is facing oncoming traffic, nailed by a tractor-trailer. The mom survives, the first grader died. Like, I hate to be that, you know, joyful Sunday morning guy, but, I mean, that's happening all around us, especially right now. I mean, there's all sorts of despair going on in this world. And the biggest problem with despair is that when everything breaks down for a lot of people, not, I mean, I, I would say, you know, when it breaks down for a lot of people, they have despair, and they have nowhere else to go. They're at the bottom of the barrel, and that's where we get our second cause of death among teenagers. But if someone can be there for them and show them, hey, there's somebody that loves you. Jesus Christ was devoted to you. Yes, he was devoted to the Heavenly Father, but he was devoted to you. Don't believe me? He hung up on the cross, took your sins. He took the punishment that he did not deserve at all, He hung right there. For you, for me, all of us. And that is some, (laughs) read the whole crucifixion story. You want to talk about some devotion. And I mean, yes, that was to Heavenly Father, but at the same time, he was thinking of every single one of us. Incredible story. And I think there's there's a note for Christians too to say that, does that mean like, you know, Christians, oh, we have Jesus, so, you know, despair is different. It is different. But I would never, you know, be so smart to say, like, oh, so we're never going to experience that despair, right? We as Christians need to gather with other Christians, right? Like a church like this. Maybe we even need to be vulnerable for a little bit and tell people. You know, when we go to, I love like Dave a couple of weeks ago played that small group video where they don't want to share their feelings, right? Hilarious video, and I really enjoyed it. But unfortunately, that sometimes happens in these small groups. I encourage you, would you ever tell anybody about your despair? would you ever tell anybody where you're at right now? Because you will have to be vulnerable. There's a chance that person could break your trust and maybe tell your story to somebody else and maybe you feel betrayed or something like that. That could happen. You have to be ready for that. But I'm telling you, if you are in a despairing moment, you're gonna want somebody there. Absolutely, Jesus is your man, I believe that. But we are human and we need somebody to be there. And so... As I kind of wrap this up, I have one last thing. I got to talk about this guy. We're in Seneca Falls, right? And even before, long before I even know Seneca Falls existed, I am always, always It's a Wonderful Life fan. It's like my favorite movie. And I didn't play a clip here because I guarantee you if I play the clip that this picture is associated with, I will cry. So I did not play it. But you want to talk about somebody, like, what, what a crazy story of despair and devotion, Right? He's lost it. His whole life, he's serving other people. Honestly, I think a lot of Christians could relate to this. You know, you just try to do, you're trying to serve God. I know a lot of, you know, a lot of, what, dads or moms, they, they work hard all day, and they just try to serve, 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 and then they hit that moment. And luckily, you know, an angel comes down and saves this guy. But what a, it's just a beautiful moment of despair, and then he realized, and obviously he's devoted to the idea of his family, and that he has friends. And I think whatever the line is that Clarence writes in his book is the end. is like, no one's a failure um, as long as they have friends, or something along those lines. But it's, I think that's just a beautiful story. And I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm extroverted. I love having friends. But like, that's kind of like my life goal when I think about this, is that idea of just being, like, having, not having other people that, you know, miss me at my funeral. Like, I care less about that. Having people in life around me. That I can connect with, that I can just be with. Because the bottom line today is that lots of times despair leads us to devotion. If we have Jesus Christ in your heart, there's a way, there's a way to bounce back up. I really tell you right now if something tragic happened in my life, yes, it would affect me. I I wear my emotions on my sleeve, you would see it. I would definitely be affected, but I pray to God that I would just, in that moment, know I could turn to God and just head that direction, head right to him. Come back like the prodigal son, right? Don't we love that story? He's in the pig. He's with the pigs. He's in there. He's covered in filth. And he says, you know what? I should just go home to my dad. And I encourage all of you to go home here because despair leads to devotion. And devotion, just like Lazarus, leads you right out of that grave doesn't matter you've been dead three days you've been dead four days i don't care if you've been dead for six months you might still be dealing with the despair because when we lose loved ones or we have something big happen it stays with you it flares up right you might have somebody that you know i know people that have a grandparent that died like 30 years ago and they're just like you know one day it just hits them and i encourage you call somebody in your small group read your bible come talk to pastor dave that's what we're paying him for right he would love to hear about your despair. He would love to hear about it. And he would love to show you how devoted God is in your life. Jesus is an awesome person. And I hope that that's my life mission of just trying to tell people, sure, I want to heal through people. You know, chiropractic's great. I love it. But I hope that I can tell people about Jesus. I hope I can tell young kids about Jesus. I hope at five o'clock today I'm gonna have some kids at a campfire. I hope they know all about Jesus, and if they don't, we're gonna sit down and have a little chat. Pray with me if you would. heavenly Father, thank you so much, thank you so much for this church body. Thank you so much for just everything can i can I just be cliche and say that? I got a roof over my head i got a, I got food I got a beautiful wife. I got so many friends and family and things that just come around me I'm so grateful I got a wonderful church body that'll sit here and listen to me yap for 30 minutes or whatever it is lost track of time thank you so much for everything you do in your life and help us to be devoted to you in all walks of life no matter what help us to be devoted to you and help us to remember that hopefully you know our jerseys we're paying a lot more to you than our own name Help our devotion to just be maybe blind and dumb sometimes and just running towards you. As Paul says that we finish the race, we're focused on one thing. We're focused on the win and not the, not the secular win, not the worldly win, right? But the win, the win of having a great life where maybe people come to know Jesus because of us. Again, I just looked at, you know, America's got plenty of problems. We could fix a lot of things. But I'm just so grateful for the things that we do have. And again, I pray for this church family. I pray for Pastor Dave and his leadership and just give him strength and help him to stay devoted to God. Because I know if he's devoted, it just sprinkles down through the rest of the church. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for everybody that's worked so hard during this COVID time of essential workers. And I pray for the people that, you know, the healthcare workers that are right on the line. We thank you. I just I, I could thank you all day ten thousand reasons to worship you Lord we thank you we praise your name amen uh, Senate Community Church definitely we